Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 48th episode. As a mental performance coach, I get the honor to work with athletes to enhance their mental game and unlock their full potential. And the reason why I created 90% Mental is to bring awareness around mental performance within sport by interviewing athletes and coaches so they can share their stories and perspectives. So talking about stories, I want to share an incredible story about adversity on my show today. And my guest today is Mohamed Massaqua, who's a former NFL wide receiver who played for the Cleveland Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he's going to share his story of adversity. He's going to walk us through events of a tragic accident that he went through, an ABT accident, right after he retired from the NFL. Unfortunately, he ended up losing his hand. And he talks about how he's dealt with this tragic incident and how he's dealt with all the pain and all the stages he went through and how this tool, his hand, that allowed him to get a full-ride scholarship to Georgia, get drafted in the second round by the Browns, how this tool has helped him throughout his whole life, and he no longer has this tool anymore. However, he does have a prosthetic, and it's a really cool prosthetic, but he talks about his new relationship with his hand. He talks about his new vision on life and perspective on life and how he's using his platform to just to share his story and hopefully be there for people that are going through something similar. So I can't wait for you to listen to this heartfelt story, and I know you're going to really enjoy this interview. So without further ado, let's go talk to Mohammed. Hey, Mohammed, how are you? I'm doing great, Grant. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I am uh, excited to talk about your story. I think your story of adversity, of how you've dealt with a situation and an accident that you had a couple years ago, and it's it's heartfelt, and I, you know, it hurt me when I heard about your story, but I'm actually just elated on the way that you've dealt with this with adversity and dealing with this accident, and I can't wait to have you share a little bit more in detail um, about everything with my listeners and myself. So again, thank you for being on my show. Thank you for having me. I, I look forward to it. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, before we get into our interview, I always kick off my, my show with, with my favorite question, which is, what does mentally tough mean to you? For me, it's just being prepared for the outcome. And what that basically means is that I think that we all go through things in life. And if you let it rattle you and you you don't realize that there's life after or that you're going to be able to get through it, I think you can spiral out of control. So it's just being prepared for whatever the desired outcome uh, you have. If that's in a game, making sure that, you know, you don't give up until the the clock's on zero and that's, that's dealing with adversity in life. That means that you just see it through and you don't take any easy way out or, you know, put yourself in a situation where you're worse off coming out than you were going into it. For sure. For sure. Well, with regards to your accident, was there anything that you experienced as an athlete from a mental mental toughness perspective that compares to what you had to endure with this accident? At the start of it, yes, because I didn't think that the injury was as severe as it was. So I, I think even uh, being an athlete, you, you have a timetable to say, okay, an ACL is going to take this long, a broken bone is going to take this long, a pull hamstring is going to take this long. When the accident happened, I was playing in my head, okay, if I have to go get a cast and if I have to go get 
any type of stitches or screws is going to take this long. So I'll be back in you know, maybe three months. Mm. And then when I finally found out that I was going to have to have my hand amputated, I just went in a shop. So I, I didn't really know how to frame how long it would be. But my therapist was actually a, um, my PT that is, he was actually a uh, former athlete himself who played football at Kentucky. And so we had those talks about, okay, you know, this is like being in training camp. This is like preparing for this. This is like preparing for this. And we set different milestones. And so from that point, I, I think I started to make the correlation to almost a recovery from a sports injury. And that, that helped a lot. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome that you had someone to kind of walk you through and, and kind of correlate some of the things that we go through as athletes with your, with your therapy and rehab. That's awesome. Yeah, you need it. For sure. For sure. Now, can you walk me through what happened the week before reporting to camp and, you know, and you and your friends going out and joining each other and going on this ATV trip? Can you walk me through some of the events? Well, it's something that it's one of those things that it's a, activity that a lot of people take part in you don't really uh think that anything's going to happen uh when when you're doing it we're just riding that not doing anything crazy and on the way back to our, our vehicles my atv ended up flipping and before i knew it um i was on the ground screaming and you know friends are running over and they're trying to check on you and after the accident happens obviously you, you call the the ambulance and you go to one hospital and then I got helicopter to another hospital and everything was happening so fast. Something that was something that we had done in the past and you, you go, you ride, you have a good time and you go home and everybody's dirty. You laugh, you joke about it, you do it again, not expecting that on one of those rides that you, you know, being a life changing situation. So that day still gets played back in my head from, from time to time, just thinking about, wow, you know, something in routine, just, you know, enjoying company with your friends could turn into something as dramatic as it did. What, what was going through your thoughts, you know, going through your mind when this, as soon as it happened, and when you looked down at your hand, and I know that there was some thoughts of what you thought happened and then what your friends were seeing, but can you walk me through a little bit of kind of some of the thoughts you were experiencing? Well, it's, I don't even know if you, you have time to truly think outside of just, you know, being in the moment and trying to stay calm and there's blood everywhere. You can see, you know, the inside of your skin, you know, with bones and different things like that. And so you're, you're thinking about them. I'm hurt alongside thinking about, okay, you know, I don't want to look like I'm too hurt because I'm, I'm with my friends and, it doesn't really become real until having a conversation with the doctor and the doctor finally said, Hey, you know, we've reviewed your files and we're looking at it right now. And here's what we're ultimately going to have to do. And, you know, in, in thinking about it after it was done, it's just like, wow. Yeah. I'm really an amputee now. Um, especially because I have so late in life, uh, up until that point, you know, having two functioning hands that I, I used to be able to achieve some of the, the goals that I had, um, part of my identity, coming to the realization that that part of you is no longer, it, it takes a little while to get to the other side. For sure. You know, your, your hands are your tools. 
like you said, it, sure. it got you the scholarship at Georgia. It got you, you know, drafted in second round to the Browns. And, you know, what did you, what was going through your mind when the doctors said that most likely we're not going to save your hand, we're going to try, but most likely it's not going to happen. What were you feeling at that moment? It's one of those things that when you, for me, hearing that, I couldn't really think so you hear that and then you go into surgery and you wake up and then you just hope that what you thought you heard wasn't the case and as you see where things are going and you see that it's, it's real and that you are an amputee now and that you're going to remain an amputee i think that as the days and the weeks and the months go on then you start to come to that realization but the first half of it is really just being in shock or denial or you're processing it, but you're not really processing it. If, if you were to, you know, people freak out when they lose their phones or they lose their wallets and to <laughs> right. lose a part of you for right. <laughs> forever. Um, that, that just imagine a thousand X, whatever the sensation is of losing a phone or keys or wallet or something similar to that. Well, when you, you talked about, you know, dealing with denial, you know, there's five stages of grief or loss. Are you familiar with those stages at all? Uh, not officially, but I've probably been in, been in a part of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, usually when someone goes through something traumatic like this, uh, you know, the stages are, you know, denial or isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. When you think of these five stages, and I can only imagine that you went through them, how long did it take you to get to the point of acceptance? Well, I think that's just it's, it's something in months to answer the question directly. But I think even as I evolve and life goes on, there will be different stages of acceptance and different ways to do different things. I'm in a pretty good spot right now. But there's still frustrations. There's still things that I can't do that I used to be able to do. Um, there's certain things that I've had to learn to do more efficiently with my device. So I think it's just a, an ever-evolving process that as life goes on, there's some things that you'll be fully comfortable, I'll be fully comfortable doing. There's some things that I'll have to ask for assistance on and depending on where it's at or what time it's at or what type of assistance I need, it may trigger something. So. I think the acceptance piece is ever-evolving. Yeah, for sure. What kind of relationship do you have with your new hand now? I'm, I'm sure there was a, a progression of getting used to the hand, getting, you know, from an ego standpoint, right, I have this, this fake device that, you know, people are seeing. Are you, are you at, at one with it right now, or are you still trying to develop a relationship with, with having this, this device? Uh, even that will be a process just because the life of them are from what I've heard three to five years and some, somewhere in that, that window. So there will be new devices. There will be uh, hopefully upgrades in, in what they can do, making them more durable, how responsive they are. This device right now helps me get some function back, not all of it, but it, it does do a great job of, you know, raising the steam and, being able to replace some of the things that I, I couldn't do. So for that, I'm, I'm very, very appreciative of it. Aesthetically, it looks great from a functional standpoint. Uh, the company Touch Bionics did a great job 
and just designing something that you can be proud of and it helps you a lot. Awesome. No, I mean, in hindsight, when you look at that technology, to me, it you know, it's cool that you have, you know, for the most part, functioning with the hand. And I'm sure there's a lot of things you still can't do or still learning to do, but it does, it, it looks cool, you know, for, for what it's worth. It looks like, you know, it's from a technology standpoint, uh, the advancements that they've made with hands, it just, even though it's easy for me to say that, but it, it, it does look cool for sure. Yeah, it, that's that's the thing. I get stopped probably two, three times a day, sometimes five times a day, depending on where I'm at. And people just walk up and just say, hey, you know, without even knowing who I am or, you know, my story. It's like, what is that on your hand? I think it's the coolest thing in the world. If uh, kids are around, they're definitely coming up to make conversation. And old people, depending on, you know, how confident they are, that they're, they're either scared or they're trying to figure out what's going on because they hadn't seen any new generation. Uh, so it, it definitely allows me to meet a lot of people. Cool. Very cool. Now, how is it when, when you think about your hands and when you think about your career, which, you know, obviously your hands were a big part of your career, but so were your legs. But is it hard for you to to reflect on your career and visualize and just, you know, look back on all the cool catches that you made? Or are you are you at one with it right now? Is it does it come up for you um, now that you don't have your hand? Is it hard for you to think about yourself as a NFL football player? No, <laughs> no, not not at all. I'm a, I'm still a big fan of the game. I'm I'm a big fan of the friends that I have that still play the game, the, the guys that perform at a high level. I'm I'm a fan of athletes who perform at the high level in, in their respective craft. So, if anything, it, it it forces me to figure out ways to remain an athlete so that when my friends come back and I want to jump in a workout or I want to do something, that I'm I'm not too out of shape or I, or I slow them down. Right. But it's it. People look at at athletes as if it's um, not as respectable as being a lawyer, or a doctor, or any other profession. It's a true profession where people work extremely hard to get there. It's very competitive to stay there, and no one makes it there by accident. So uh, the title of athlete is something that I enjoy, um, and I need to remain in shape so that I always look like an athlete. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's a good point uh, as far as staying in shape because, you know, whether you leave the game or you actually are forced to leave the game, identities, especially, you know, you that you played football for so long and you're invested in it, sometimes it's hard for athletes to when they walk away from the, when they're forced to or they have to, it's hard for them to still feel that identity and connection to the sport. Um, and I think one way of doing that, though, is to stay in shape. I know when I left the game and I got hurt and had a career ending injury, it was very, very hard for me to to still stay connected to the mindset of, of just calling myself an athlete. And it took me, man, almost two decades to to re reignite that mindset again. So the fact that you are not allowing this to take away from your athletic achievements and still feel like an athlete and staying in shape, man, that's awesome, man. That's That's really cool to hear. Yeah, I think I think that's probably one of the biggest struggles of athletes because I don't feel like athletes whenever they retire and it's a part of their identity as part of their makeup at, at, at the point when they, they leave and then trying to detach from that, I think that has more negative consequences. So you're just do, you're an athlete doing something else versus no longer an athlete and being forced to do something else. Right, right, for sure. 
Well, when you think about other athletes that have had traumatic situations happen to them, like Jason Pierre-Paul, Isaiah Pede, who you know either lost a limb or a finger or fingers, uh, were you guys ever support systems for each other? I'm familiar with both of their stories. Uh, I don't I don't know either one of them personally. Uh, I think in uh, seeing what they've gone through, you root for them. Jason Pierre-Paul has, has definitely bounced back and he's doing great things and it hasn't slowed him down too much. And I think Isaiah P is going to, you know, do a lot of great things, especially for the amputee community. Uh, so you root for guys like that. You understand what they're going through. To, to everybody's journey is different, but you, you can have some empathy to what they're going through and some of the things that, that they may be feeling. Um, it's not something that you want anyone to go through, but in having guys that you can reference and just, you know, encourage and want them to do good because it raises, you know, your self-esteem as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And when, when we talk about support, how, how important was it for you to get through the situation with regards to having a good support system? Cause you talked about, you had a lot of good people around you. Talk to me a little bit about that. God, I, I could talk all day about that. Because you, <laughs> life isn't meant to be lived in isolation. It's, it's meant to, you know, do life with with other people and to go through the ups, go through the downs, to be able to share how you're feeling, to be around people that actually know you and they know how to make you feel better. They know when you're down. They know when you're hiding different things. And for me, I, I just had great people so that you know, people would just check on me or, or people would be there or my wife, you know, would make sure that things were taken care of, my family, mom. So when you have people like that that just care for you and once you come out the other side, it lifts your, your just your mood. Um, it makes you feel better about yourself. It, it encourages you to, to push forward. And without that, uh, you know, who, who, who knows, you know, because you're, you're sitting there and you have a million things running through your head and they're not always positive. So you need that positive reinforcement. For sure. And how do you, or how have you dealt with when you're going through negative thoughts or you're having a bad day? How do you get through those, those situations? For me, um, by default, I, I just like being happy. I wake up early and I try to live each day being happy and doing things that will make me happy, whether it's just, just listening to good music, some of my favorite, favorite artists, or watching things that are more on the comedy spectrum so I can laugh. Uh, I, I don't like to, you know, be in a funk, so whenever something is triggering that, I'll go to those different things or try to get out the house, um, you know, go go do things, hang out with the people I care about. So those, those are the things that, that help me avoid slipping into an area where, you know, I feel like I'm having a bad day or so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I agree, man. The, the, the power of music, it's, uh, man, it can, it can switch the way you think and feel about anything in a second. So I, that's awesome that you use music to, to kind of help with those bad days or bad thoughts. For sure. It's therapeutic. Therapeutic for sure. And also, you know, I, I always say, you know, movements therapy. So, you know, if you're, if you are going through some stuff mentally, it's always good, man, to, to go work out or to go run or get on a stationary bike to get yourself moving, um, and that kind of helps you get through some of that stuff. So it seems like you, you've done that. You were doing that and also music, so that, that's awesome. Now, you talked about a little bit. You've mentioned about dealing with drama. Uh, you have to allow yourself to feel the situation. 
Mm-hmm. How was that? I mean, when you go through all the stages you went through and you had to feel the drama, like what walk that walk me through that. Like what do you mean by that? You feel feel pain. You you you, you acknowledge the fact that you're hurting, you acknowledge the fact that you're in pain, you acknowledge the fact that you don't feel as good as you used to. And and being in those moments of not the, the highs of highs, then and you you start to understand what you're truly dealing with. But if you just put band-aids on it, eventually, you know, you're just going to keep... It, it, I would say it's like ripping off... A, when you rip off the band-aids and the scab comes off and then it becomes deeper and it becomes deeper, it just never heals. And before you know it, you have an infection and an infection turns into something else. First, it, it's just healing and, and truly treating it the way that it needs to be, be treated. You know, you can't treat surgery with, with, you know, um, Neosporin. You actually have to go in there and, and, and do the deep digging and, and figure out how to, how to properly heal. So for me, that's, that's what worked for me. For some other people, it may be a little bit different. But for me, I felt that that was the, the best way. Yeah, man, it's, it's your process, right? We all have different processes of healing. And, um, and if this is the way that it got you through it, then I, I'd honor that. It's good. Yeah. This is a, a two-part question. When you think about what you had to go through, when you reflect on it, what did you learn about yourself, and do you think the situation made you a better person? I would say, I would say when you, one of the things about like going through trauma and being, you know, in that that place of of um, you just surrender. I guess you, you find yourself, you find who you want to be and you reflect on what it is that you think you're doing good up until that point, what it is you think that you could improve and what it is that you need to just completely overhaul. And I think for me, uh, I had a chance to experience all of those. So uh, in this uh, moving forward, this period of this growth, I think that just remembering some of the things that I learned to just continue to improve as a person. And hopefully I continue to improve in, in, in the right way. What would you say if you had a conversation with someone that went through this, whether if they were in the midst of playing a sport or even after sports and something like this happens, they have to deal with some traumatic injury. What would you say to that person as far as from a support standpoint to deal with a, this particular situation? Obviously, having a the, the true good support system, family, friends, but then you know, go go to somebody that that's actually equipped to help you do the heavy lifting. I, I, I'm a big uh, supporter of counseling. I, it's something that I I do. It's something that I will continue to do probably forever, just because it, it just helps freeze your mind. It helps you think through things clearly. It helps you understand from an objective standpoint what the situation is that you're in. So that you don't let your mind take over and go to a place that you you have no business going. So for for me, I I'm a supporter of, of counseling, and I will be for the foreseeable future. It's beautiful. That's that's awesome. Being in service, right? It's a good yeah. thing. It's a good thing. Well, how can how can my listeners follow you on social media and and also learn more about your situation and, and just the work that you're doing? So all my social media handles are Iron Massaquah. 
So that's um, my last name, M-A-S-S-A-Q-U-O-I. Takes after the Iron Man um, theme moniker after getting my prosthetic hand. And then my website is just simply MohammedMasterQuad.com. So you find uh, all the updates and all the interesting things that I'm doing, whether it be speaking around the country or interacting with different players and helping them transition to other things and really just enjoying the living life. Awesome. Good. Well, Mohammed, I, I want to thank you for being vulnerable with your story and sharing your energy about your rehab and just going through this whole situation. This is not easy. And, and I think the more that we hear about how people deal with this the right way, which I think that you have, and I want to thank you for being vulnerable, uh, sharing your story and going out there, because I think this is going to help a lot of people, and, uh, and I really do enjoy it, and, and thank you for being on my show. Thank you for the work that you do. I know a lot of people are, are impacted by it, so uh, keep, it, keep it rolling. Awesome. I appreciate it.